We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Playoffs. Play it. Playoffs. 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 I'm gonna, I wish I could do the... Uh, was it Jim Moore, right? Is it Jim Moore? Yes, Jim okay. Moore. Jim Moore. Yeah. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hi, John. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, so um, we are coming at you on a... Tuesday. Yes. Um, good thing I remembered the schedule for the week. Um, I guess it's safe to say it now because I'm pretty sure everything is pretty solidified. We are shooting for five this week, five for five. So um, we obviously had myself and Jeremy uh, coming out on Monday. Usually we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but the Knicks don't make the playoffs every year. Hopefully they will from now on, uh, you know, moving forward. But we're celebrating. We're going to uh, we should be able to put out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. And boy, is this a doozy. Um, thank you to my producer, Andrew Claudio, for getting this one done. Mm-hmm. Um, today's episode features He's not even a Hall of Famer once. He's in multiple halls of fame. Steve Holman, who is the Atlanta Hawks um, radio play-by-play man, he has been doing it um, since March of 1989. He has not missed a game, as he reminded me during our interview, because um, I knew it was 27-something. It's 27-20. So, um, you know, if you're a, a history buff, um he may wind up breaking Chick Hearn's Lakers record for most consecutive. Uh, I believe that's not a basketball record. I think that's a professional sports record for most consecutive play-by-play uh, games done. Um, he's a living legend. And we talked about the Hawks. We talked about Knicks and the Hawks. We talked about a little, little Hawks history. We got into a lot of fun stuff. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. Um, we're going to get to him in a few minutes. 
couple items um, first. One, congratulations to Tom Thibodeau, NBA's coach of the what was it? Coach of the month, right? Not coach me. of the month for yeah, month of May. The month. There we go. Giddy up. Long time coming. Um, I've kind. I think I've said it a few times in, in live streams after games. Um, I thought if the Knicks they got the four seed that he would have a real shot for coach of the year. And I think he is a real shot for coach of the year and I hope he gets it. Cause I think he deserves it. Um, so there's that. We also got some news today about um, capacity um, in Madison square garden for the playoffs. So James Dolan went and spoke on um, what the hell did he speak? Oh God. With governor Cuomo. There we go. Yeah. And um it's we're we were just talking me and Andrew were just talking about this before we came on. It, it's definitely at least 50 percent capacity. But then Dolan said something to the effect of more than 13,000 uh, 13, fans because there's going to be a vaccinated section, which could essentially be full capacity. And then there's going to be a non vaccinated section where there's still separation, whatever it is there's going to be a lot more fans at MSG for the playoffs than there have been for the regular season. So, um, you know, go get vaccinated. And uh, that's, that's very good news. And James Dolan didn't say anything stupid today. Yeah. Also good. It was actually like low key stunned how pro vax and responsible he was like, Oh, right. Yeah, no, it was, was, I'm, 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 I'm here for all of it. Um, We we are obviously nothing but shills for James Dolan on this, on this show. Obviously, obviously goes without saying Nick Sand Rangers over here. (laughs) Um, before we get to uh, Hall of Famer Steve Holman, um, I believe, I believe, not I believe, I know um, that Andrew has some things he wants to ask me. Andrew, I, I, take it away, please. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't clarify something. You said that Chick Hearn has the record for consecutive games. He does in the NBA, but one of Steve Holman's former colleagues, Mr. John Sterling, broadcasted 5,000 consecutive, 5,060 to be exact. Oh, so it is an NBA-specific record. Yes. He started calling the Yankees in 1989. I think the record even goes back even further when he was with the Braves. And uh, he absolutely, in 2019, was the first time he took a day off in over 35, 40 years, something like that. So (sighs) his record is high into the into the five thousands. Which... Oh, and we actually are going to get a, we, we have a John Sterling story. If you're a Yankee fan, we have yeah. a John Sterling story coming at you on, yes. this, on this podcast. So Yankee fans don't ever say a Mets fan never did anything for you because that will be your one and only favor that I do is clarifying that John Sterling, who is in every way, shape and form inferior to Gary Cohen, uh, has the record for consecutive games. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything since this is, you know, the first pod of the official postseason, we do have some time while in the immediacy to reflect on the season that was. And you mentioned the award that Coach Thibodeau just won the Coach of the Month and the award you believe he deserves, Coach of the Year. Yep. So I thought your listeners and your readers would enjoy hearing <laughs> your award picks for the past 2020-2021 season. John. Um, so I would like to get your official awards ballot that's, you know, will only get counted here and probably should get counted because you watch the NBA religiously. Um, listen, Rosillo doesn't even have that's, one. I was stunned to hear that. When I, I was, was shocked too. I, I listened to, I, I, li- so in, I didn't, I purposely didn't listen to the pod all the way to the point where they did their all NBA because I wanted my mind to be mm-hmm. separate. The only, the only content I've consumed from anybody else as far as all NBA is concerned 
um, was I think whatever podcast Zach Lowe did about it a week mm-hmm. or two ago and whatever column. He'd had he uh, Arnovitz on. And yes, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they didn't really have any finality on it. They just kind of tossed some stuff around and, and my opinions will be um, different, I think, from some of theirs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, so we're, we will, we're we'll, we'll go through all six of the big categories. I'll get your picks, maybe your list of, of order of who will be like your top three or five yeah. in those picks. And then we'll get your three all NBA teams and any other string, uh, straggling award mentions you'd like to make. If you want to throw an all defensive team out there, an all rookie team out there, you can. But for the am, first half of this pod, we'll we'll give out awards for the previous season. I, I like it. I'm I'm I thought about it. I'm not doing all defense because full okay. disclosure, I do I do not watch enough national NBA. Like I personally don't feel like you could watch like if I watch. On average, a team play three to six games every year. That's I don't think that's enough to like know what a, a guy's defensive impact is like on a night to night basis. Not that anyone does, but mm-hmm. so I but I would not put those thoughts out there. And then all rookie, I just have. I mean, I I could do a quick all rookie, but like it's it's again not something I feel strongly about. The other stuff though, I think that's different. So where do you where do you want to get started? So you the order me. I'm going to do this in for the main awards is in order of chances a Nick has to win one. So oh, we wow. start okay. with, in my opinion, not that the Knicks didn't play great defense this year, but defensive player of the year. I'd be stunned if a lot of Knicks get first. If any Nick gets a first place vote, uh, to be honest, if any Nick gets a third place vote, I'd be surprised. Um, so defensive player of the year, your winner in your top three. So my winner for defensive player of the year, um, unsurprisingly, uh, is, is Rudy Gobert. Um, I think he... I think it's pretty clear. I think it's obvious. Um, I will say, even though I'm not going to name an all defense team, I, I don't think any Nick has a realistic argument for to make an all defense team. I just want to throw that out there as well. Um, I've tossed around in my head whether and whether it would be Noel or Bullock if I had to give someone a vote. Um, it would. I think it actually would probably be Bullock, as crazy as that is to say. Um, but Noel has a really good argument, um, and. Second on the list is is a little tough. Um, I'll I'll go Ben Simmons. I don't say that with a ton of conviction, um, but I I will go Simmons because I think of the versatility. Really simply, um, and then third is is really hard. And there's some obvious names. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo mm-hmm. is an obvious name. Reigning um, champ. What's that? Yeah, the reigning, reigning champ. I think um, I think Jimmy Butler has a, a stealth argument for this. Um, I think there's a few other guys that you could throw out there. Joel Embiid is probably going to wind up third, I think, if I had to guess. Um, although, actually, no. Simmons, if Simmons, are they really going to take two and three? Well, whatever. Joel Embiid would be in that conversation. Um, I, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I, I really do feel strongly about this. I'm going to go with Clint Capella. Um, Ooh, and it's not okay. because, and it's not because we have a Hawks um, broadcaster on this episode. It's because I think so little of some of the Hawks defensive talent and they can at least hold their own on that end of the floor um, because of Clint Capella. And I think Clint Capella is like really, really good at protecting the rim. I think he does some different things. Um, it's, that's, that's kind of my, the closest you're going to get probably for me for a hot take. Um, but yeah, I'll go Clint Capella as, uh, as third. How far down before you get to Bam? 
I just Bam's really good. Mm-hmm. But the Hawks are a, I mean, they're a better team. I think he has a bigger impact on their de- like. I think you could stick some different players in there and, and it's the heat. It's like, they're always going to figure out a way like the Hawks were, have been an utter dumpster fire on defense so often. And then Capella has been there and he's like, I don't know. He scares the hell out of me. I'll say that. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Uh, next he's in order, a lot of games. Sorry. Yes. Uh, next in order would be rookie of the year. Um, shout out to menu quickly, who I don't think will, uh, I think I'll make an all rookie team, but in early flyer on menu quickly plus 2000 to win it, the, that I took back in February, obviously didn't pan out. Thank you coach for barely playing him in the second half of the season, completely uh, canceling any chance of that happening, but your rookie of the year and your top three, John, again, um, I have to be, um, I have to be genuine here. Um, if Emmanuel quickly had finished the year strong, um, I would say I would figure out a way to get him on my ballot. He's kind of not that he's been bad, but his impact was like centered in like kind of that middle portion of the year. Um, I'm going to go um, Lamelo Ball first, Anthony Edwards second, and Halliburton third. Um, I think it's a correct order. Edwards was so bad for half the season, if not more than half the season. And honestly, I would even maybe consider sliding him down to third if they didn't actually, the fact that they actually started winning some games at the end of the year and like they finished around 500 for their last 20 or so games. I think like, yeah, you could say what you want. Like the games don't have meaning, but like they had meaning to them and they had meaning to him. Um, I think they're worth something. Um, I think quickly is as clear a fourth place finisher as there could possibly be. Mm-hmm. I think he has an argument over Halliburton um, for third place. Um, but I think Halliburton by the slightest, the slightest of edges. <laughs> and if you told me that you had quickly third on your ballot, I would not, uh, I would not fight fight you on that. So next is the MVP, which again, this is an order of chances. Knicks have to win. This is where I think we'll start to see a Nick get some legitimate votes. Uh, so, I guess your top five for MVP, John. So can I, I have to do a quick soapbox uh, rant here. Um, there's been this conversation. I, I feel like that. Well, I guess maybe I should save this rant for all NBA. Um, no. Okay. I'm going to save the rant for all NBA, but I'm going to, I'm going to point out something. I'm going to point out something when I give you my, my five. So here's my five. Number one, Nikola Jokic, and I agree. Somebody said on Twitter today that anybody who doesn't, and I think they cover the Nuggets, but still, anyone who doesn't vote Nikola Jokic for first place for MVP should have to write a thousand words on why they voted for who they voted for. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually wholeheartedly agree with that because mm-hmm. um, it's such a it's such a clear choice. Like the Bart Simpson chalkboard, where he just write over and over again. I, I did, yes, why didn't like that. I vote for Nikola Jokic? Why didn't I? Yeah. Um, I wrote something a few weeks ago, I'm gonna, which I'm going to reference a couple times, but I'm going to reference it for the first time right now, about how players from like not great teams historically have not been in the um, MVP conversation. Like they don't, they don't really get votes. Um, at the time I wrote that, I think the Warriors were in tenth place. Um, since then, they won. I think eight or eight of 10 or nine of 10 or something to finish the season, whatever it was, they finished really well. They finished the season in um, eighth place in a very tough Western conference. 
39 and 33, six games above 500. Um, and for me, like, what is that team without Steph Curry? They're a, are they the worst team in the league? Well, last year they were the worst team in the league, right? And I know they got a little bit better. So I'm going to give Curry my, my second place finish. Um, and here's where it gets tough. Um, can I give you the rest of my ballot? Yeah. The rest of my ballot is Luca, Giannis, and Randall. I did no this. Indeed. F- wow. We're getting there. Oh, games played. Okay. So, well, yeah, we're getting there. So I think the, the Luca and Randall, in terms of when you talk about value, right? How much they mean to their teams. I think you could make the argument that both of those guys are about as equally valuable to their respective teams. Um, in terms of who's the better player, Luka Doncic is the better player. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, Julius Randle's team did um, finished higher. They finished with a worse record, though. Um, I think the Mavs have a little bit better team around Luka um, than the Knicks do. I have to go Luka third um, just because he's that good. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to Giannis and Randle. And Giannis and Randle, I had Randle above Giannis when I wrote my thing two or three weeks ago. And I'm going to um, be a bad Knicks content creator. I'm going to flip it right now. I'm going to put Giannis fourth. And I'm going to put Randall fifth. And the reason for that is um, I think if you look at what the Bucks would be without Antetokounmpo, they're, what do you think? They're a handful of games below 500 maybe? I think they're around what the, what the Raptors were, what the Wizards were. They're clearly missing a star, but there's... Yeah, there's, I mean, there's talent there, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you if you told me that they would have gone with just Middleton and Holiday and like the rest of those guys and like a league average player in, in Giannis' 33, place, 32 in team, 32, 33. Okay, so great. So that means Giannis is worth you know roughly uh, fourteen or fifteen wins to that team. I believe Randall is worth more wins to the Knicks. But I also think that if you look at Giannis's numbers and you look at the efficiency and you look at everything else he's doing, you look at the advanced stats up and down every which way, it's enough to overcome the gap in what he means to his team versus what Randall means to his team. And then on the defensive end, Randall's had a very nice defensive year. I think Giannis is one of the five best defenders in the sport. So Giannis fourth, Randall fifth, um, Mr. Embiid. Um, Mr. Embiid played 70.8% of his team's games this year. Do you know, um, since Bill Walton won the award, having played um, 70.7% off by a 10th of a percent, Mm -hmm. how many players have played that low of a percentage of their team's minutes um, and appeared in the top five, not one, Appeared in the top five. We're talking about 40, I think it's 43 years of NBA history. I think you actually asked me this earlier in the year when we were discussing the MVP. And it's how many are there at least? Like, is it two or three or? It's zero. It's zero. Oh, that's the answer then. Okay. So the only player who has played under 79, there's since Walton won the award, the only player to have won, to have played under 79% of his team's minutes or games, excuse me, and appeared anywhere on a ballot was Shaq in um, 1998 uh, or whereabouts. And that was a really weird year, which I don't have to get into. And he finished um, fourth that year. 
he, he played in 73% of his team's games. So basically your argument has to be that Joel Embiid was so amazing mm-hmm. in the 70.8% of his team's games that he played that he should overtake a guy who um, was like his entire team was based on his performance. I think if you take Embiid off the Sixers, I think there's an argument that they're still the three seed. Um, because I think they just rejigger the team around Simmons and off they go. They're not a contender, a real contender, but they're still damn good. Um, yes, I know Embiid's amazing defensively and his stats are what they are and they're incredible. No one's arguing that Joel Embiid's not a better player than Julius Randle or, you know, that, that's crazy. But this is about value. And Julius Randle provides more value to the Knicks. That provide, excuse me, provided more value for the minutes he played, then um, Joel Embiid provided to the Sixers this year. So Randall's my fifth on my MVP ballot. It's interesting because the theme of your I, I like the way you did your awards. And as somebody who's ha- got kind of fed up with baseball and how like Mike Trout, they've just figured out a way to determine how many wins he'd be. Even if you want to pull Coles in wins above replacement, they're like, nope, mm. he's worth 10 wins a year. He should win the MVP, even though they might win. 57 games during the season. Um, It's why I will understand. I don't think they should, but I will understand first place votes for Curry. Like he's had statistically a better year than his unanimous MVP year. I I, like, I get you. If if Giannis or sorry, if Jokic didn't exist, that's one thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's why I will I will understand if they're like, listen, this is a this is one of the worst teams in the NBA without him, and they're gonna be you know, the eighth seed in the playoffs uh, just from a value perspective. If you look at how like he went a step up from his, you know, uh, the, the 73 and nine team. So, yeah, um, but I will I'll say this. It, well, I don't think there should be. It's it would be unprecedented for a player on a team that finished this low in the standing. The last guy who are on a team who finished this low in the standings and finished as high as second was um, a uh, then young man by the name of Michael Jordan in mm-hmm. um, whatever year he finished, the first year he finished second. I think it was like 87, 88. No, it was maybe 86, 87. Yeah. I understand there's a precedent, which is why I'm just saying Steph's season was unprecedented. Oh, no, it was, cra- it was, it was a crazy yeah. season, amazing season. That's what I mean. Look, I just, I, mm-hmm. I have, I've had him second on my list. So there you go. Sixth man of the year. Yeah, I mean, I can't sit here and, and uh, boast this, that, and the other thing about games played and then uh, have Derrick Rose win this award. Um, I am gonna. I will put Rose a third on the ballot, though, because okay. I think he's without. It's it's it goes without saying that he has done more as a six man for his team in the games that he's played than anyone else, and it's not close on a per minute basis as a six man or a per game basis as a six man. His impact dwarfs whoever you want to give me, Jordan Clarkson or Joe Ingles or any of those guys. As far as like. Who should get the first two spots? I'm fine giving it to the two Utah guys in whatever order you want. I don't really care, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't really have a strong opinion. So I'll go I, I'll go Ingles 1, Clarkson 2, because I like Joe Ingles. I've always liked Joe Ingles. So the last two are interesting um, because one, I think, is locked up and will absolutely happen. And one yeah. should be in a lot of people's opinion, especially Knicks fans opinion, should be locked up. But we'll if you listen to the, the scuttlebutt, it sounds like it's going to be it's not. Go- yeah. So it's going to go the opposite way. First. So go coach of the year and and give me give me your thoughts. I mean, for me, it's it's pretty obvious. It's it's Tibbs, um, then Monty and then. uh 
I'll go. I guess I'll go Quinn Snyder third. Mm-hmm. Um, although you could give me five or six guys, and and um, actually, but honestly, to me, like even Monty, you could kind of. To me, it's it's Monty is closer to the pack than he is closer to first, and I'm not going to rehash the argument that Jeremy not the argument the discussion that Jeremy had and I had on yesterday's podcast, but like, you know, Chris Paul is the biggest reason why that team is the, where they are. Now, yes, I just went through how Julius Randle's fifth on my MVP ballot, which notably Chris Paul was did not appear there. So how could I then say? Here, here's the thing. Chris Paul's a point guard and he has a, he has a demonstrable history of going into teams and like doing what basically he did with Phoenix this year. Also Phoenix is shit ton more talent um, than the Knicks, or at least that was the perception before the year, which is why they're over under before the season started was, what was it? 41 games, I think, or 40, something like that. 39, it was 39 and a half. I think yeah. maybe that was it. So 39 and a half, which means like consensus is that, you're going to be a really good team. And they went from a really good team to a great team. Fantastic. All the credit in the world. Um, was it so clearly because he like changed the culture? I mean, this was a team that won eight in a row in the bubble. Their culture had to be decent to do that. Um, they have like, uh, like again, we don't need to go through the talent. What Tibbs did here with this franchise that has all due respect to the the goat shit in Phoenix has a much worse track record in terms of culture. And like, again, I'll just reference what Bernard and, and, and Oz or and, and Yash and me, it was, this is Bernard's line and I'll steal it. The rot is in the walls. That was always like, whenever the Knicks like would potentially make a move that was like, we were like, Oh, this is a good move. He's a, he's kind of a Debbie downer. And he would be like, no, 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 no. This thing is fucked from the inside. Mm-hmm. And and I would always be the one to push back and be like, no, it's going to be fine. Everything's OK. <laughs> but the reality is, if you look at 20 years worth of evidence, the evidence is there. Mm-hmm. They found a way to take the one decent thing that they had and they even tossed that away. So you look at Thibodeau to come in and like the fucking whole team is just singing Kumbaya every day in different, you know, voices and verses and, and whatnot. That's town Thibodeau. And like, yes, Leon Rose deserves a lot of credit and Wes and the coaching staff and the whole thing. It's Tibbs. It's Tibbs. Just it's, it's Tibbs. We know it's Tibbs. Um, I don't know how you don't give the award to him. It would be, it's going to be egregious when he loses. I don't think he's going to win, um, but he deserves it. He deserves it. So. Yeah. We actually, my, I have Monty third. I, I would have put Quinn above. That's fine. Yeah. Like it's, it's to an extent that, you're about to do your all well because okay let's just real quick most improved player randall's gonna win it i i guess i'll go uh porter jr for for second and then i mean jeremy grant really hasn't played a lot of games i don't i honestly just this is another one of those things i don't really have a strong feeling about who should get third i would Um, can i say zion i know like he was expected to be great but i just by definition of the award if luca can finish third last year then why can't zion finish third this year I fine. That's yeah. That's that's fine. I mean, a, a, another guy, and again, uh, this I'll, I'll steal this from the low post podcast episode from like three weeks ago. Clint Capella, I think, should also get some consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, he might be their their most important slash best player. Um, we're, we're going to talk about him on this pod. Um, I don't know. Like 
Bruce Brown has had a really good season for Brooklyn. I mean, no, it's seriously. He's had yeah, a really good yeah. Season. Like there's, there's guys out there who, who are in the conversation. Like you want to give it to Jeremy Grant, give it to Jeremy Grant. That's fine too. I don't, again, I don't really. Randall's plus 5,000. It's like, it's a, this is the award that the Knicks fans can actually and, look forward to being presented to him this off season. And, and RJ, I think was stronger in the conversation for me to be on the ballot until mm. he's kind of, he's, and I'm going to spoiler it. I'm writing yeah. about this for Tuesday's Knicks film school newsletter. He's, you know, he's been slumping inside the arc and, and, um, but he's, he's right there in the conversation still. Well, food for thought for your newsletter. It's actually given me more confidence in his NBA future that like he can be a catch and shoot player if they go and get a guy that's going to be a little more ball dominant. Because if you say, OK, RJ, just be open from three. It's like, fine, you're a 40 percent three point shooter. What I was going to make about the coach of the year is like if you go down the list of all NBA and MVP candidates, like the Jazz have two guys that are going to be up in conversation for all NBA. The Suns are going to have two guys that are in the conversation for all NBA and they're going to have the defensive player of the year in there. And they're going to have, um, you know, uh, a sixth man of the year in there. And like it's Randall. And then we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When does the next Knicks show up? We have we have Derek Rose finishing third for sixth man. But other than that, the turnaround for for all of this is unprecedented. Like even the one coaching decision that I've questioned with Tibbs is not enough to be like, well, yeah, but he still turned what I thought was going to be a, a 17, 18 win team into a 41 win team. Like the question of, well, why didn't yeah. you eventually bench number six? Or regardless, he did eventually adjust his minutes. So I agree with you on Thibodeau. You're all NBA teams. Let's go through this quick. Your first, second, and third teams. All right. So again, quickly, um, I will, I will, I will try to do this fast. So first team, um, as should surprise no one, it's the five guys that are on my MVP ballot: Steph, Luca, Jokic, Giannis, and Randall. Um, again, there are people. Oh, th- this is the soapbox thing. Really, very uh, quick soapbox thing. People seem to have this view of all NBA that if you make it over a certain minutes or games threshold, it is it is as if the games you've played or the minutes that you've played don't matter, which is to say, if you play whether you in this season, whether you play 72 or 62 or 55 or maybe 57, 58, 
It doesn't matter. It's not a part of the conversation. And yet, when you fall below a certain threshold, then it's like, oh, we can no longer consider you because you didn't play enough games. I don't understand why a gray area doesn't exist in the All-NBA conversation. Why isn't there a sliding scale? And I'm not saying this to be like, oh, Randall played 71 games, but such and such player played 66, that that should be a difference. I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about what we're going to, the reason why I have Randall on my first team and I have Kawhi Leonard on my second team, Kawhi Leonard played 895 fewer minutes than Julius Randle this year. Now, you cannot tell me that Kawhi made it just barely over your threshold for he appears on the NBA teams and we don't, we're not going to look at games played and just, just ignore those 895 minutes. So what is it? If, if Kawhi had played 950 fewer minutes than Randle, then he's disqualified. Like, where it, this, it has to be a gray area. So I have zero qualms putting Randle on my first team. Um, Again, this, my, everything I'm saying is like uh, the, the, the few good men line. It's not about what I believe. It's about what I could prove. I could prove this shit. Um, is that a few good men or I've, I have no idea where that actual line originates. Is it a few good men is it training day. No, it's a few good men. It's okay. when Demi more. Uh, um, it's not what you know, what you, what you can prove. OK, well, because Demi's Demi is talking about like you don't think these guys are are guilty, and he's mm-hmm. and, and and he's talked about you and so and so both live in the same dream world. It's not about mm-hmm. what I believe; it's about what I can prove. Okay. And then I think the I know I don't know. All right, I, da, 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 I know the law. I think that is also in that part. Okay. Um, sorry for that. No, uh, I believe me, it helps. Uh, Kawhi is on my second team. Um, with um, and again, I I don't really love any of these options. Um, but Kawhi is on my second team with LeBron. Um, I Ooh. thought about sticking Butler on the second team instead. Jimmy Butler played seven, 1,745 minutes. LeBron played 1,504. Um, I just think LeBron was was better was a, a certain modicum better than Butler. You know that it overtook that discrepancy. Um, so LeBron's on my second team with Kawhi. I have Embiid second team, Chris Paul second team, Damian Lillard on second team. I don't think any of that's very, those, those other positions are contrary. I mean, I think Embiid, Chris Paul and, and Lillard are pretty, pretty lock solid. Um, and then I'm, this was tough for me. I, there's about 10 to 15 names that I could have stuck in here. Um, but I'm going to go with Gobert as my center. I'm going to go with um, Bradley Beal um, and I, as as one of my guards. Why did you say, oh? No, I just, I'm going off the national scuttlebutt. He has been a lot of people's cuts. Um, that's fine. Um, I, so. It also means you're, the, the, I now, by process of elimination, see you not adding a couple people. I'm interested to see what your last two are. So no last three. Um, so you said but, Jimmy but, Butler. Butler's on my third team, yeah. and then again, this is like I, I just there's no easy options here. Um, Tatum and Paul George are my last two. Wow. Okay, so you don't have a Brooklyn Net on any of your teams. No, and here's the reason. Games why. played. 
Uh, Kevin Durant, I don't know how many games he played. It's not, it's not enough to be in this conversation. Um, if James Harden had played all 44 of his games for the Brooklyn Nets, he would be on my third team. He played eight of those games uh, for the Rockets, and I don't care what his numbers were in those games. He was arguably the most actively detrimental player in the league during those eight games. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if he gets like a negative 16 for those eight games that he played. <laughs> Um, so he's not on it. And then, um, sorry, Kyrie, can't say fuck off twice during the season, and you know, take some. I mean, all I'm, I'm all here for mental health days. I respect it totally. Um, here's your penalty: you get your mental health, you don't make an All NBA team. Um, and I'm not about to feel bad about that. So hey, don't disagree. Okay. Um, anybody else that's like, a, I mean, Zion. You know, you want to give me Zion over Tatum, Zion over Paul George. I would hear that Booker. Um, so Booker and Donovan Mitchell are the two obvious ones that didn't make it. Um, I just, um, there's one more, but I'll, I'll wait until you get down with this. Well, as far as Booker, I just, I, I think of the two, I think Booker would probably be my pick. Um, but I just, I just think Beal was better. <laughs> I mm. think, and Beal played a lot of games. Um, and where are the wizards without Bradley Beal? Um, whereas if you replaced, you know, Devin Booker with like a, you know, decent starting shooting guard. Um, and again, that's more of the MVP conversation than all NBA. Look, if you wanted to, to give me, you know, Booker over Tatum, I guess I would be okay with that. Again, this is like picking nits. You know, Mitchell is like a hair under Booker for me, but I think those guys are also, they're, they're right there. It's close. The other one, I guess we should say too, because of who we have on the show coming up next. Um, well, Trey Young. I don't think he belongs in the country. I don't either, but I have seen now that I've dove into Hawks Twitter, I have seen the arguments being made. And I don't agree with them, but I appreciate people standing for their guy. I would um, rather, I would rather, and I'm, I think the positional stuff is abhorrent, but and I would rather have Embiid as my second team forward, bump Gobert up to second team center, and have Capella as my third team center. Really? I would oh. rather, I would rather do that. Then put Trey Young on an All NBA team. Oh wow! Okay, I would put Bam above Capella. That's interesting. Oh, I think Capella's one better I, than Bam this year. I okay. think I would think really highly of Clint Capella. I clearly yeah. do. Uh, the other big one's going to be Westbrook because he averaged a triple oh, double. <laughs> Listen, I'm with you. I I get the counting stats are impressive. There there are things he does that benefit him but cost his team's wins and it's, it's the, there's a long track record for this it's the anthony edwards discussion it, it, uh, uh, russell westbrook was was actively bad for i don't know how many 30 40 games this year it is um, literally up until the trade deadline when they lost they blew that second half game to the knicks and he shot ridiculously poorly you in know the second half and then since that game he's averaged like 27 13 and 16 since that. but but again but again if like you know, people are going to be like, oh, he was hurt, adjusting to a new team. Like, I don't care. Like, this is all NBA. This is MVP. Mm-hmm. These are major awards. If you, like, it, the time for excuses is done. If you don't make it, you know, there could be a caveat to why you don't make it. I'm happy to say to anybody who ever asked me about Russell Westbrook not making an NBA team, like, well, he was hurt. So that's why he didn't make it. But he didn't make it. That's the point. And he better go. not make it this year. That would be, if he made it over Booker or, or Mitchell, um, I would put him in over young, but again, I'm more preparing myself for the talking points that will make it onto the national stage the next day after the teams are announced. And it's like, how does Russell Westbrook not make 
an all NBA team averaging a triple double. And that will be the the conversation. And that'll be really the other guy that I think does deserve mention, I guess, because he's the second best player um, on a top seed as is Mitchell. But we, we mentioned Mitchell is Ben Simmons. I was waiting um, for it, but yeah. I think what he does, well, I actually think he has a stronger case than, than Russ because of how, Oh, I agree. How, how the Sixers yeah. played when Embiid was out. I know? completely agree. He has a better case than Russ. And then um, for for that matter, I think Jalen Brown would have at least been in the conversation um, had he not gotten um, injured late, which I think I, he was already on the fringes for me. And then that pushed him out of it. Um, oh, what, last last guy I, I will mention um, is is uh, Zach Levine. Um, mm, yeah. Not in, but deserves deserves mention. Um, I see what you're doing. You're, you're saying, oh, there's a there's a Knicks podcast out there that thought you should have been in consideration, even though you missed the no, playoffs. No, his, his shooting Zach numbers, Levine. his shooting numbers are ridiculous. His shooting yeah. numbers are absolutely Talk him insane. up. Tell him, tell him more how great he was, John. But again, free agency but is again, only a year away. Yeah, there you go. I don't. I I actually don't even want Zach. Levine. Zach Levine was last summer. We we moved our sights mm, again. That's our, our, our uh, broadened our horizons. As broadened our horizons. John Macri once said. Um, okay. I think I have to go get Ralph's ices with my daughter. Um, so what's your it, flavor? What, what do you get when you go to Ralph's? Uh, if I'm being healthy, I get mango. If I'm not, I'm getting chocolate fudge brownie. What are you going to Ralph's to be healthy for? I know it's, just, it's like when people get a salad at Wendy's, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> on that note, if there's nothing else, um, is there, is there anything else? No, just as John said, five days of content this week. I'll, I'll to be honest, expect content every day until the Knicks are eliminated. That is what I will say on behalf of Knicks Film School. Um, yeah, and and look, it's it's the we're doing it because it it deserves it. Yeah, you know. Um, on that, we used note. to do games after sixty six losses. Of course, we're gonna now. <laughs> Go overboard with the content it wasn't when 66. they're winning. It was 60, whatever. It was sixty-five. Did you really um, just do that necessary correction, John? I did. Okay. <laughs> On that note, everybody enjoy uh, my conversation with Steve Holman. Joining us now on the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, you know, we don't get a ton of Hall of Famers on here, so this <laughs> one. Is a pretty big deal. He is um, a member of the Atlanta Sports Hall of Fame. He is a member of the Georgia Radio Hall of Fame. Um, honestly, though, for me, more impressive than that. Um, I was always told if you're going to do something and you enjoy it and you're good at it, do it for a while. And our guest today, well, he's been doing his job for a little while. Um, I believe the number is, oh, it's 27. I, I, I'm going to ask him what the exact, I should have the exact number on me. I know it's 27 something. Um, he's the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman. How are you, Steve? Great, Jonathan. Thank you. It's nice to be with you guys. It's 2720 right now. 2720. Okay. I, I should have had that handy. That's a bad job by me. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, before we get into, uh, you know, the, the series. Other, the other awards, by the way, it's just like if you live long enough, you win stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, and it's funny because I actually uh, cut your accolade short. I mean, you've been named the George Caster, Georgia Sportscaster of the Year. It seems like every other year now for, um, you know, the last decade. Um, I was about to say, before I get into any of the stuff about this series and the Hawks and all that, um I have to ask, what's it like to be a living legend and be doing your job that you still love? I just I don't look at it that way. You know, I just look at it as I go do my job every day and 
Uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I started counting uh, when our old buddy John Sterling went to uh, New York to start doing the Yankees. See, we had done the games together. Uh, I started 85, 86. And when he would do TV, I would do radio. Okay. And then on the games that weren't on TV and there, there, there weren't as many games on TV, obviously, then as there are now. But on the other games, I would be with John and uh, my role then would be. That's right, John. That would be. Yeah. <laughs> so you played the Susan Wallman uh, role, uh, basically, yes, back in the day. Pretty much, yeah. On the games that you know uh, weren't on TV, but but we we have a uh, we have a great friendship. I I talk to John at least probably once a week. Uh, my my kids uh, always called him Uncle John, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I still when we were traveling. Uh, every time we'd come to New York, we would have dinner together. So uh, hopefully, we'll get back to that again next season. Yeah, it'll be nice to get back to normal. It's actually, you know, so one of the interesting things I think about this series um, is that, uh, as as I'm sure you remember, um, the final moments of the 2019-2020 NBA season took place in Atlanta with the Knicks playing the Hawks. Um, and and as we, we kind of got the news of what was going down um, before, again, before we get to this season, do, could you share what was what was that night like for you? I'm sure it was quite a, a surreal experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we were one of the last games that uh, that went on that night. And uh, I started to get some texts around the third quarter that something was up and that something was happening with that game uh, with Oklahoma City and and the uh, Utah Jazz and that uh, something was about to happen. And and it kind of filtered through a little bit, too. I know Trey, Trey Young's dad, who sits in the second row, he got word about it and he told Trey uh, at some point, uh, you know, when he was walking by him or whatever, if you remember, I think the Hawks were down by like 20 something points, 25 points in that game. Uh, Trey got the word that, you know, we were going to shut down after the game. So he went crazy in that fourth quarter and I remember, that. remember it went into overtime. Uh, the Knicks ended up winning, but also significant that night was Vince Carter, who, you know, playing in his last game ever, uh, Trey set him up for a three pointer right at the end of that game. And he knocked it down. And that was something that, you know, he remembers now and he does a lot of our TV work uh, Vince does. And, uh, he still talks about that now, but, you know, we had had all these plans for Vince Carter night and uh, mm. everything else at the end of the season. So we never got to do that for him. Uh, but, but it was a weird night. That's for sure. And, uh, as, a, as you guys know, that was one of our, you know, final games that was played in the NBA, but, we didn't know at that point we would be shut down for, you know, what, nine months or whatever it was before we came back again. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, uh, like us here in, in New York with the Knicks, uh, Atlanta was, was, was not invited to the bubble. So it's, it's been a really long wait. Uh-huh. And that um, really hurt. I, I think that hurt really the teams that didn't get to go, mm. but, but I think as the NBA would look back on that, uh, it, it went so well, the bubble, yeah, I don't think they knew that, but it went so well. I think that if they had known that they would have gone ahead uh, and invited all of the, all 30 teams, I think. But it would have, especially our team, being as young as, as we are, it would have certainly helped um, a lot to get those final 15 games in, uh, you know, just to, to carry into this season because it took a while to get things going. So that that's a great transition because um, I, I feel like every you know you I was about to say every NBA season is is its own unique story and and you've told a lot of those stories. Um, the Hawks have you know a, a rich history. I mean, I grew up with with Dominique, and then obviously we had the the Joe Johnson and the you know the the Josh Smith, uh, um, you know those teams, um, and then you know more recently the the Budenholzer teams, and now this. Um, it 
it feels like this has not been one season for the Atlanta Hawks. It feels like it's been two different seasons. That's a, from that's the a, outs- that's yeah. a great point. It, it, it has been two seasons. Uh, you know, March 1st, the Hawks were 14 and 20. Uh, and that was under the old regime. Uh, you know, and then the, the Nate McMillan administration took over, if you will, uh, yeah. on March 1st. And, you know, he's gone 27 and 11. Uh, and there were also three games that that he coached while Lloyd Pierce was on paternity leave. And, and he won two out of three of those. So if, in reality, the Hawks are 29 and 12 under Nate McMillan. Incredible. And, and in those first games, the 14 and 20 part of the season, when things looked very bleak, out of the 20 losses, there were 11 of those where the Hawks had leads in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that's that's a lot of games to lose out of 20. So it, it really, the whole thing just turned around uh, amazingly when, when Nate took over. Uh, he talks a lot about, uh, tells the guys to believe. Uh, they've been able to come back from 15, 17 points in the fourth quarter several times uh, since then. So it's, it's really been a, an amazing turnaround, something that, you know, I don't think I can recall seeing. And, you know, I don't know if any team that changed coaches midstream like this has done as well as the Hawks have done. And the guys just love Nate McMillan. And I think the, the, the reason they've responded is, uh, you know, they know, they respect that he was a great player. You know, not a great player, but a good solid. Oh, he was, I remember yeah. Nate. I mean, he was very good, good player. <laughs> yeah. But they respect that, that he was a player. They also know that he's been a head coach in the league for 15 years. So I think they really were listening to that uh, and they bought in. And, uh, you know, it's amazing when you get a veteran coach in there who uh, just the little things like knowing when to call a timeout. Uh, mm. You know, I mean, it, it makes such a difference because they can regroup. They can get things back on track. And that's been one of the great things. And Trey has really responded to Nate McMillan. Uh, he was just named as the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Congratulations uh, to him. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, he's responded. He's become, like we like to say in sports, the floor general. Uh, you know, he's given up some points, certainly. Uh, but he's, his uh, assist average is uh, almost nine and a half. Uh, and he's just been, he's been phenomenal. And as we've gotten guys back and healthy, it's really started to to snowball in the right direction for the Hawks. And I, going into this this week, it's the first time, except for Cam Reddish, that they've really had everybody healthy. Uh, and and last night, uh, DeAndre Hunter, who uh, had been out for, you know, he only played 22 games, came back for the last few. But last night, it seemed like it was the first time that he really felt comfortable again. And, you know, a lot of people probably don't don't look at DeAndre Hunter as one of the, the main guys for the Hawks. But when he went out, he was the third leading scorer on the team. And yep. behind Clint Capella, he's probably the Hawks best defensive player. Yeah. So if he's back and healthy and, and this goes for for both teams too, the, the Knicks and the Hawks, I think the best thing that's going to be uh, and, and really all the teams in the playoffs is this week off. And, and be able to practice, to have real practices that they haven't been able to have all year because of the crazy schedule. So I think it's going to make for much better playoff games uh, than we saw a lot of times in the regular season this year. I, I completely agree with you, I think. And plus, you know, you mentioned Nate, Mill- Nate McMillan, been around for a very long time. Um, he is going to um, use this time to his advantage uh, to game plan uh, for, I, I think what has been a, a Knicks offense that has given the Hawks some problems. And at the same time, Tom Thibodeau is going to need every second he can get to game plan against the Atlanta well, Hawks. You know, offense. it's interesting that the three games 
uh, two of them were under the former administration. <laughs> yes. And, and yes. The, the one that Nate McMillan coached, if you remember, it was at the Garden. I remember it well. And the Hawks had an 11 point lead in that game in the early in the fourth quarter. And that's when Trey went down with that ankle injury. And a little bit later on from that, Clint Capella fell on his back, although he yes. did come back into the game. But the Hawks still had a chance to win that game. Uh, our third string uh, point guard, Brandon Goodwin, missed a free throw that, and that, yes. probably, that would, probably would have won that game. So they went into overtime and the Hawks just ran out of gas. But uh, it's a totally different time right now than it was during the, the first two games. So I think that makes it an interesting uh, series, too. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, you probably have. But when I started to work on everything today for, for the games this weekend, whatever they are, uh, it's amazing that both teams have the same exact record. Number one, they have the same exact home record. Yep. They have the same exact road record and they're both two and two in overtime. So how can you, you know, how can it be any more even than that? Really? Well, I remember that overtime game well, and I remember sitting in, and uh, all I was thinking on the your last possession of the regulation was, please don't let Bogdanovich get a clean shot. And then sure enough, Bogdanovich <laughs> gets a clean shot yeah. and, it, and it goes in. He So he's really good. And, uh, we, you know, we, we could talk, you've obviously mentioned Trey, you've mentioned Clint Capella. Um, I, I also think, you know, it, it has to be pointed out that right when uh, McMillan took over happened to be when Bogdanovich came back uh, because he right. was on the show for all that time. From afar, it seems like the team has really figured something out with is it? Well, let me ask you, is it him maybe taking on? Do you think some of like the playmaking from Trey or just maybe being able to make shots? He he's, hasn't missed from three in seemingly you know two months. What is it about Bogey that you think gives this team an added dimension? Well, I think the health has certainly been been a key factor for him because he struggled early in the year. He had a couple of different injuries off and on. And uh, now that he's healthy and it's starting again, it's really been terrific. And, you know, you guys know very well, uh, Danilo Gallinari, uh, what he can do. And and he's really started to come on too. There was a game uh, a couple of weeks ago where Bogdanovich ended up with seven, three pointers in the first half. Gallo ends up with seven in the second half. So, you know, there's 14, three pointers between the two of them. So, you know, if, if one doesn't kill you, the other one might. So, uh, and, and I think the bench is something that's really uh, been important for the Hawks, too, especially now that they're healthy. If they can slide, if they decide to slide DeAndre Hunter back into that starting lineup, you know, that means that you've got a, a second unit being run by Lou Williams, who mm-hmm. certainly has been around the block. Uh, then you've got Tony Snell out there. You've got Gallo out there. You've got Kevin Herter, who's been a starter for most of the season. Yeah. Coming off the bench, he's another another shooter, and and I think something's going to be very special for the Hawks is Anyeka Kongwu. He's coming on number six pick in the draft. Yep. Who you know was hurt early. Uh, he didn't he didn't participate in the the short training camp, and it took him a while to get going. But he's really come on, and uh, in the final game of the year, he had you know a double double, uh, twenty one points. I think he had fifteen rebounds, and so to go with Clint Capella. Uh, he becomes now a regular part of the rotation. And that second unit is very important. And, and uh, Anyeka talks about how Lou Williams, since he arrived here 23, 24 games ago, has really taken him under his wing. Oh, wow. Okay. And as and he's always talking to him. He's always in his ear. And I, I asked Lou one night on our postgame show, you know, about his relationship with him. He said, hey, I need to have a big guy out there in the second unit with me. That's what makes my game go. He said, I have to have somebody, you know, uh, and, and 
he said, I've, I've taken this kid and, uh, you know, put him on my uh, put him on my shoulders and here we go. That's so interesting because we have a, a similar dynamic here with uh, Derek Rose, you know, another another uh, point guard of some renown um, and um, <laughs> Obi, Obi Toppin, um, who and Obi has talked a lot about what what Rose um, ha- has meant to him um, in terms of, you know, you just laid it out um, one to ten. I, you know, there's an argument that, look, some teams are, are very, Brooklyn's very top heavy. You know, Philly obviously has their pieces. Right. Milwaukee has their pieces. But one to 10, um, and I say this having, you know, once rooted for Danilo Gallinari and, and right. you know what he brings. There, you guys are a team. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, listen, uh, I, I don't want to curse in front of a Hall of Famer, but he has some shit to him. Um, right. he's, <laughs> he's, he's good. Um, you're deep. And you're talented and you're really good. And I think Nick fans have this perception. And I was talking about it on, on the podcast uh, this weekend um, about how, listen, this is not any kind of a series where you're just going to walk in and you're going to just take control. Right. Um, it, is the expectation in Atlanta and around the team that, look, um, this we're, we expect to win this series and we expect to do some damage in the Eastern Conference this year? Well, I, I, I think that they're pretty confident, actually, about the series, you know, and, and everybody talks about, well, they haven't had a lot of experience and the young guys need to get that playoff experience, but they've got guys that have been in. I mean, here's Clint Capella who, you know, should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year, at least on the, the you know, the uh, all defensive team. Uh, he's been in the playoffs before he's only 25 years old, but he was with Houston for all those years in the playoffs. So he's got experience. Lou Williams got experience. Tony Stell's got experience. Gallo's got playoff experience and Solomon Hill who, you know, I don't know how many minutes he's going to play in now that everybody's healthy, but he was in the finals last year uh, in the bubble, you know, playing for Miami. So he's, you know, he's, he's got some experience to him too. So I think both teams have young guys that haven't been there before. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, when things get to be a little bit more kind of rock 'em sock 'em, uh, (laughs) you know, a little rough, rough and tumble and how the, you know, the officials aren't going to call as many, uh, fouls, maybe uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher it's to see how, how both teams react to all of that. Is that you just brought it up? Is that a concern? Because Trey Young, we and we again have a player not to Trey Young's level, but Emmanuel Quickly, a rookie who has admitted he's like, kind of modeled like his game. I, I like him. He's is we, we like him too. Um, but he's admitted he's kind of modeled his game after the the Trey Youngs of the world and kind of studied their habits. Is there any uh, concern that you know the the refereeing in the postseason is not going to be the same and and Young is not going to be able to get to the line as much as he's accustomed to? Well, I think I think they probably know that. I think he knows that too probably at this point that it's going to be a lot tougher to get to the free throw line maybe but uh, you know it, it depends on who they announced the 36 officials today who are going to work uh, the playoffs this year and you know a lot of them have been around a long time and uh, I think it's going to be something that's uh, you know it's just part of it I think Nate I think Nate will be very good and and, and, and so will uh, Tom Thibodeau about telling uh, his guys too that look that don't be whining and complaining about calls because yeah. a lot of times you're not going to get them in the playoffs like you do during the regular season. So uh, I think they have to be ready for that. And, and, you know, the physicality thing becomes part of it. But uh, I, I just think that uh, both of these teams, you know, have grown so much that it makes it, makes it a really interesting series. And, and one that I think around the country, they should be able to enjoy it. Uh, I do think the, like, like you talk about the, the national media perception uh, is that, you know, it's, it's going to be all about the Knicks, really, because I frankly, I don't think they watch the Hawks all year. I don't think a lot of those guys, I mean, I don't think, for instance, I mean, I don't know if Stephen A. Smith would know K- 
Kevin Herter if he <laughs> bumped into him in the grocery store, you know. Well, he uh, should. And well, he's I going know, to very soon if he's watching. Yeah, but I mean, how many, you know, yeah. I, I mean, seriously, how many how many Hawks games do you think all of these guys, uh, you know, have watched this year? And I, I don't think I don't think very many. I, You know, it's it's it, here's, you know, TNT is right down the street from State Farm Arena. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, Shaq or Kenny Smith or any of those guys would be able to find the arena with a map. So, uh, you know, (laughs) so I don't know if Shaq knows uh, many. He he thought uh, Zach Randolph was still leading the the Knicks, I believe. Right. (laughs) Um, Just very quick aside on Kevin Herter. I had a a scout who I have a lot of uh, uh, respect for tell me before the RJ and the Hunter draft that he would have taken Kevin Herter second um, uh, overall in that draft ahead of Morant, ahead of RJ, ahead of Hunter. I don't know if he would still have that opinion now, but just the point remains, Kevin Herter is really good. A lot of you guys have, you know, that are on your team are really good. And, and he's yeah. going to have people that are going to be at the games too, because, you know, he, he's went to Shenandoah high school up there in Clifton. Oh Park. yeah. Albany. Right. Or yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Clifton, there you go. Clifton Park. Yeah. Just outside of Albany. And, there you go. Um, you know, his dad, Tom was a player and uh, yep. you know, he's been a broadcaster too. And his mom, Aaron, they come to Atlanta a lot. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun for them to, to, to see Kevin in there. So, but the the thing I really want to touch on is what you just brought up, which is kind of, um, you know, Atlanta, I don't know if it's as a sports city as a whole, but it, it feels like definitely the Hawks. It's a, it's a city that it seems like, you know, to a man, players talk about they love coming to Atlanta. Um, and yet it's it's almost been relegated. The, again, the I feel like the national perception is to this like kind of second class NBA city. Is there, you know, a, an organizational chip on the shoulder type of thing going on? Like, how, how does well, that work there? I think there is now. Tony Wrestler and Jamie Gertz, who are our main owners, uh, have really, you know, they've sunk some money into this. They've got a tremendous practice facility now that's connected to Emory University and the, the medical team there. Uh, and, and it's really a state of the art and it's, it's five minutes from the arena. Uh, the arena itself has been, uh, redone to be state farm arena over. It took three summers, much like they did the, the garden over, but, yeah. uh, it's a beautiful place. And I think players, uh, you know, they've always, like you say, enjoyed coming to Atlanta for, you know, all the fun things that go, <laughs> that go on here. Yeah, uh, but I think now it's going to become more of a destination because I think guys, I think players will want to play with Trey. I mean, look, I mean, look at they—they they had a lot of money last summer and they spent it pretty wisely too. I mean, yeah. you get Bogey Bogdanovich and you get Gallinari and you get Tony Snell and you get Solomon Hill. I mean, these are and these are guys that have really helped a lot. I mean, and it and, and it turned things around from you know being near the bottom to now you know battling for that top four spot right up until the last game of the season. So uh, I I think that uh, and you know we haven't even mentioned John Collins yet. What a oh what a, yeah. He's not. He's like an eighteen and eight guy, and you know he's on his way to twenty and ten. I'm I'm sure, and and he's expanded his game. He shot. He ended up the season shooting forty percent on three pointers. So, uh, you know, they spread the floor with him out there too, especially with Clint Capella moving. You know, inside. Well, you you mentioned Clint. He's the thing that I'm most worried about. Can you just talk for a minute about? I has anyone been able to stop the Trey Young, Clint Capella pick and roll? Because from my vantage point, it sure seems like it's pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, it, it has been, and and when he can't get it to Clint, he gets it to John Collins. Mm. You know, because they were the two that that worked it all the last couple of years together. Uh, uh, so it's 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 been a fun thing to watch, and uh, you know, it, it uh, Clint Capella has been a godsend for this team, and uh, you know, thank. Thank goodness for Mike D'Antoni, 
not wanting to have any centers on his team uh, <laughs> in Houston uh, because the Hawks got Clint Capella practically for nothing. Yeah. And, and look what he said. He's 15 and 15 just about on the season. And he, and he gets fly. I mean, he just won the rebounding title. So, yeah. uh, I mean, he's, he's been, I mean, he just changes everything inside defensively. Yeah, I just looked today. He, he's averaged 36 minutes against us. He put up, uh, he's averaged 20 and 20 over the last two games that the, uh, Atlanta has played in New York. Um, he hit that, that combination with Trey Young uh, plus the shooting is definitely the thing that I'm I'm most worried about. Um, I, I a couple more and then and then I'll let you go. Um, but the from your vantage point, I'm always curious about this. Looking at the Knicks and looking at okay, how are the Hawks going to you know handle this? Can you just tell me what is maybe your your biggest concern uh, from a Hawks perspective about uh, what the Knicks brings to the table? Well, I I think that of course you know we all know about what uh, Julius Randle has done to the Hawks here uh, you know in three games, uh, but I think there's so many little things like you know who would have figured Derrick Rose would be as as big as he's been for them. Yeah. And, you know, he's got the experience that he's going to bring out there on the floor as well. And and really, Tom Thibodeau has been uh, tremendous. Yeah. You know, they, they always talk about him, how uh, maybe he wears out his welcome. But, you know, he certainly is welcome right now. And, and <laughs> maybe that'll happen someday down the yeah. line. Uh, but right now, I think he was the perfect coach to bring in. And, uh, you know, our old buddy, Mike Woodson, who was the coach here, yeah. was his assistant coach and then got the job at, at Indiana earlier. Uh, I think he's really helped out too, because he, uh, he's kind of a defensive specialist coach too. And uh, I just think that uh, the big culture change for the Knicks has been Tom Thibodeau and uh, what he brings as far as the, you know, just toughness and play 48 minutes, which is kind of what Nate McMillan has brought here. He, he preaches that 48 minute thing, uh, you know, don't take any minutes off. Don't take any quarters off. And, and I think they're very similar that way. Um Last two, one, I have to turn back the clock because there were a few players that I enjoyed watching as much as this person growing up. Can you give me one Dominique Wilkins story from your days, uh, maybe calling games or from knowing him or any any of the above? Yeah, well, the, the thing is, Nick and I sit across from each other on the charter flights now. Uh, oh. So I've known, him, I've known him for all these years, you know, and it's just, he's just, uh, you know, I don't know if any like special stories about him, but uh He's just, I always refer to him, even when he played, as the nicest superstar I've ever been around. And uh, he is that way. And he he knows his stuff, too. And the, the, the great thing is the young players listen to him, too. I mean, he doesn't go he doesn't go telling them stuff without them wanting to know something. But he'll give a little couple of things about footwork or drop step, things that we don't really see that much anymore. And, uh, you know, and he's he's good like that. And uh, I, I just love him. And he's he's terrific. And it, it was great to call his games and, you know, that famous series at 88 with uh, Dominique and Larry Bird. That was uh, that was such an amazing thing. And uh, the one thing about Dominique is that uh, he always talks about that last uh Game game six, but before game seven, the Hawks had a chance to close out the Celtics in Atlanta. And it came down to the last play. And uh, Cliff Levingston uh, actually intercepted the pass <laughs> that was meant for Dominique and took a crazy shot at the end. And, and we ended up losing by a point. And uh, Dominique always says, well, you know, he said, I would have killed him if I didn't think I had to go to federal prison. So. <laughs> 
That's um, that's a good line for, for the best. He, he, I, I like uh, listening to him on the on League Pass anytime uh, I get to hear him. He's he's great. You're right. Um, okay. Um, we, we we I have to. I can't not ask you for a prediction for this series. Um, can can you give me something? I don't I don't want to hold you to like no, a, a, no. by games, but what do you think is going to happen? How about that? Well, I think, I mean, let's hope it's not like the 90, for the Hawks' sake, it's not like the 99 series where no. Latrell Freewell came in and the Hawks were all bait, beat up and banged up and lost in four. And Bill Walton says it was the worst playoff team in the history of the NBA. No, <laughs> that's an exaggeration. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and that changed, you know, just to take an extra minute, that changed our whole team after that series. I remember that yeah. series well. Yeah. Nobody in our front office knew that Latrell Sprewell had come to the Knicks after having, you know, basically st- trying to strangle P.J. Carlissimo. Yeah. And uh, in our front office, there was somebody, uh, I won't say who, who decided at that point, no more, you know, Mr. Nice Guys on our team. So that, oh. so we ended up getting ready to Kembe, Steve Smith. You know, I mean, we had a we had a phenomenal team. And uh, then we brought in, uh, uh, you know, guys that didn't put, you know, mean to, we didn't need to have out there. So anyway, that changed. So, so getting back to this series, uh I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't say how many games I, having watched the Hawks every night. And I'm sure you guys who watch the Knicks every night, you probably feel the same. I, I feel like the Hawks have a great chance. And I think one of the things the Hawks will do, uh, you know, win or lose the series, I think they're going to kind of shock, shock the world as far as the, the national media, uh, you know, uh, I, because they haven't, they haven't watched the Hawks at all. And I think the Hawks are looking for a little bit of that respect from them. And I think they're going to be surprised at what they see. Um, you know, I'll say it right now. The Hawks, I think the Hawks yeah. can win. Let me say this. I think the Hawks can win the series yep. if they yep. win one of the first two in New York and get the home court back again, because we're going to have, we're going to have about 8,000 people or maybe even more now that the mask thing has been lifted by the CDC, yep. but they are expanding up to about 8,000 for these playoff games. And I think that's going to make a difference. I mean, even, even the small crowd, uh, that you guys have had, uh, you know, in New York is you can hear them. I mean, they oh, make a difference. absolutely. And, you know, we got our own news today, as I'm sure a lot of NBA cities did about increased capacity. Um, I, I'll, I'll say it right here. And again, it's not just because I have you on the pod. The only thing that would shock me is if the Knicks won this series in four or five games. I think the series is going a long ways. Yeah, um, and I, I yeah, there, there's a part of me that actually just is sitting here and I'm like, I hope it goes um, a long ways because, again, I just I have a lot of respect for um, the talent on the team and, and Nate McMillan and all the things that we talked about. Um, so, uh, Steve, Steve Holman, thank you so much for the time today. Um, I, I would say I would tell people or I would ask you to let people know where to find you. But if they don't know where to find you, I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, you're a, like I said, you're a living legend. I'm on Twitter, real voice of Hawk, no S, not enough, not enough letters to put a Hawks on there. So uh, no, I need one Hawk. <laughs> yeah, just real voice of Hawk. That's my uh, Twitter thing. I, I don't do a lot of Twitter stuff. You know, I'm not, not one of the, I'm kind of old school that way, but I have it. I, you know, I use it. Uh, and uh, no, it's been fun, John. I've really enjoyed this. It's been, uh, it's, I think the series is going to be fun and uh, you know, let's hope that, uh, you know, we both do well in the future too. I think it's going to happen that way. And uh I think both teams are on the on the rise right now. Um, your lips to God's ears. I hope <laughs> I hope this is the first of many uh, playoff series to come over the years. Uh, Steve, again, thank you so much for your time, and everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We'll be back with you with another one before you know it.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.